0: Welcome to Cloudlandia. Mr. Sullivan. Mr.
1: Jackson, was your breakfast delivered to you personally this morning?
0: I have, uh, I'm in the uh, no
1: breakfast
0: uh, mode right now. Wow. But wow. My, my lunch will be delivered to me, as was my dinner and my lunch yesterday, and almost every meal, Dan. I mean, we, are great enthusiastic contributor or participators in the, uh, you know, Cloudlandia, economy. the Cloudlandia meal. Yeah. Delivery system ecosystem.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it's something it's very, very interesting. Uh, uh, I think it was two years ago that the, in the United States um, <clears throat> just using one country, that more people ate out um, than ate in. And, ah. In other words, uh, that, that that happened just before COVID. So it would be interesting to see those who uh, whose normal <clears throat> policy was to eat out, uh, whether they continued on with it, except they combined the two, that they the food was prepared out but delivered. Yeah.
0: Yep.
1: I think that's, we're a hybrid. I mean, would that be true for, would that be true for you?
0: So we're a hybrid because we have Courtney who prepares dinner, um, every night for us. So, Mm -hmm. um, during the week, uh, Mm -hmm. so I typically will, um, you know, She brings lunch. So she goes and gets lunch and and brings it. Then she'll prepare dinner. Um, But on other meals, whenever uh, we need a a big like, uh, you know, Uber Eats, DoorDash. Dan, I'll tell you something. Like, so, you know how I say you've been, you've been, using self-driving cars really autonomous driving for <laughs> 20 years because you have a limo service who actually does it you've been using ai actual intelligence to drive you around
1: right and so when, when yeah. First, yeah i mean uh, it's true i started this uh i think uh i think it'd be like as long as 96 97, yeah. yeah 1996 Oof, yeah. 1997 and, uh, so, you know, uh, the, uh, we have a, you know, of course we have, uh, we have a Tesla like yours. We have a, yeah. Babs has a Tesla, but I've never driven it. We've had it for a uh, th- uh, little over three years now. Yeah. I've not, I've, I've not actually driven. it <laughs> yeah. Driven so the car. yeah.
0: I mean, you have the, uh, you have the identical, have the same one that I have, the, the
1: X. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. the X, and, yeah. um,
0: yeah. So when I first uh, hired Courtney, this is, you know, almost 20 mm-hmm. years ago now, there was no food. Deli- the only thing you could get delivered was Chinese food and pizza. That was your option mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. Uh, food mm-hmm. delivery. Right. So mm-hmm. we had lots of great restaurants. And so I had Courtney go to all of the restaurants and get their menus. And we set mm-hmm. up a binder in the kitchen and mm-hmm. one at the office that had the menus of all of our restaurants that we would ever eat at. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. through Courtney, every every restaurant was available to us as delivery. And we've we've used that for years, right? And mm-hmm. um so now with with uh Grubhub and Uber Eats and DoorDash. Uh, all of these now as on the app that you can get them um, wherever you are. It's really kind of funny that the, I think about that as a good metaphor actually for the, the adopting the outcome of what would be Mm -hmm. sort of primitively available. Like we, I would say the food delivery was kind of, we like I said, Chinese food and pizza, but the concept was there. Nobody was doing <clears throat> what because we weren't we weren't in Cloudlandia yet, right? We weren't in Cloudlandia <clears throat> at the. This is pre two thousand and seven, and I think I was thinking about that where that was really the beginning of that was the big bang if we're saying cloudlandia mm-hmm. is created in a big bang that was the catalyst for it the the mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. iphone in 2007 was marked the time the place in time where the internet was not a place that you go to it was a place that was with you always right and then as the app sort of culture built on top of that the mm-hmm. phone evolved to be the remote control or your passport you know yeah. um yeah.
1: but well all one of the thing things- uh i have been reading uh, a number of articles and uh, one thing uh, that uh, strikes me is that it's the beginning of the automation of the service economy yeah you know, we had yeah. automation uh, going way, way back, you know, I mean, uh, way back to the 1920s, you had automation in the um, <clears throat> manufacturing, you know, the industrial economy. There was automation in the industrial economy. But the um, Internet and the, uh, of course, the cell phone combined, when you put the Internet and the cell phone together, then you could um, automate the service economy right? mm-hmm. that's what you've done that's what I've done um we've automated so uh yeah I, we do yeah. uh breakfast and I um because I I basically just have a um protein shake in the morning uh-huh. uh, I get yeah. up real early so uh um there's there's uh, a real Babs and I are very very similar to each other except in one respect uh, uh, when the alarm goes off in the morning, it's guaranteed that Bab's feet will hit the ground 45 minutes after the 45 minutes after the first alarm goes off.
0: Okay. Uh-huh.
1: Okay. And I'm guaranteed that my feet will hit the ground five seconds after the alarm goes off. Uh huh. Have you like the alarm goes that off?
0: way, or did the, the
1: military? Yeah, yeah from, that childhood. Into you, from childhood, from childhood. Okay, from childhood. Uh, uh, the alarm goes off. I'm awake, and if I'm awake, my, I'm walking around. So 1001, 1002, 1003, 1004, 1005. Yeah, five seconds, five seconds, uh-huh. and then I do a walk around routine at the house. I turn all the lights on. Uh, and uh, during the cold weather, I turn fireplaces on. Yeah. Uh-huh. So to, and I turn the temperature up to, um, uh, you know, from nighttime temperature, we keep it around 60, 64, 65 at oh nighttime. And then I turn great. it up to 72. I turn it up to 72. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, uh, make the rounds. And then I come up and then begins the process of, um, of, gradually influencing and encouraging Babs that uh, at a certain point, she too can get up.
0: It's it's fine. The water's fine. Does she,
1: yeah.
0: uh, does she need coffee coaxing to get up? Oh, yes. yes. Yeah.
1: No, 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 no. She's okay no. that way. But uh, okay. uh, she kind of unwinds. You can feel there's yeah. sort of an unwinding process from I the got nighttime.
0: Yeah. And,
1: uh, but uh, that's really the only radical, uh, I would say, radical difference. difference between our our daily performance. Uh uh-huh. It's really the fact that. So it's uh,
0: interesting that you uh, set an alarm. Uh, that that's. Uh, but you get up at the same time every day.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I'd say there's an um, could be an hour and a half difference on the weekends. Okay. Yeah. Later, later. hmm hmm Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's interesting.
1: Uh, Friday, Friday night, Saturday night, we tend to go to sleep uh, about an hour and a half later than we do during the week. But um, I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And, That's uh, and, and it's been especially regular during the past year because we're not getting yeah. to go anywhere. Yeah. Well, this is what's great is that the. Uh, I, I and I'm not sure I want to get back. I'm not sure I want to get back into any kind of routine of getting up and going somewhere. You know, I kind All of right. like getting up and not going. Anywhere. I
0: love I, I, this is what I love about this year. I I may have mentioned um, there's uh, where I do my live events here in Florida at Celebration Hotel. There's uh, the white couches outside of the uh, hotel under the, you know, under the roof, but outdoors. And I just find Mm -hmm. that such a great, you know, relaxing environment. Mm -hmm. And I have Mm -hmm. a courtyard at my house here. And so I got Mm -hmm. a, I got a white couch just like, uh, to put outside. And so I Mm -hmm. love waking up, uh, and going and sitting out on the white couch with my journal and, uh, it's such a great environment, but I do love having a hundred percent, uh, you know, opportunity to get your, the schedule down. Like I look, I look back in my journals, like even in the nineties, you know, this aspiration or the schedule that I seem to really enjoy is to, uh, com- compact every time obligation that I have or appointment or synchronously scheduled thing between 1 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Mm -hmm. every other thing completely, uh, open, you know, and the only Mm -hmm. exception being our standing Sunday morning, uh, Appointment, which is great, but I love, I know that it's there, it's ingrained and it's just a natural part of my, you know, delightful Sunday is looking forward to this conversation.
1: Probably it's the most habitually regular. Teamwork that you've ever had in your life.
0: That's absolutely the truth that is absolutely true. <laughs> yeah. And that's yeah. so, you know, and but it's also the least amount of um, you know, ever thinking about it in between these times. I know, mm-hmm. I don't have to ever think, "Oh, I got to get with Dan and see when he's available this week or well, we got to book some podcasts or, you know, never never crosses my mind. I know with certainty that this is
1: well, I think I, I think it's a given that Dan will never be more prepared than you are. That's <laughs> 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 oh man, <laughs> <laughs>
0: this is great though. But this is yeah,
1: uh, he. Yeah, he, he, he never always, run out uh, of is, he, He's he's always just as surprised by the first five minutes as you are. <laughs> yeah, I love it, and that's the great. Yeah. That's part of the.
0: Uh, that's part of the thing is we've set it up so that it's exactly in our go zone. And I pay attention during the week. I pay attention um, because we've got this contextual sort of through line of Cloudlandia and how things are, um, you know, when you really think about where we're at right now, you know, mm-hmm. in in history, it's just you know you, you mentioned something about the service, um, you know, um, economy being the automation um, of
1: service. Mm-hmm.
0: Automation of service is really it's a big piece, and I think that the um, what's really going along with that is our um, collaboration economy is really what it is like i can't tell you how much the how much sense the free zone frontier makes you know in that mm-hmm. there the seamless service integration mm-hmm. in collaboration with people is really magical you know, like I look at mm-hmm. um, um, I've got a, a client that got started with the uh, Mr. Beast burger um, mm-hmm. operation in their kitchens and they um, you know, worked with the virtual dining um, solutions here in Orlando to get them set up. It was super easy to get. Um, on board and you know, no setup fee. No, you just the way it works is you just go through the, the, um, sign up process. The you show that you've got all the supplies. Um, the you you have a list of SKUs that you have to get to be ready to do the menu. You watch all of the trainings of how to make the menu and then you have to send pictures of you of your finished uh things to show that you are uh that you can do it and then they turn it on and they give you a tablet and all you do is fulfill the orders you don't have to do any mm-hmm. of the marketing. You don't do any of the um, things. All the reach is 100% handled on the Mr. Beast uh, or the virtual dining side. And you, there with your capability, um, are sitting there and being dispatched the execution. That's what, what I've been <coughs> saying, Dan, about the whole... When we talk about the VCR formula, Z, the, the capabilities,
1: vision. yeah, vision, vision capabilities reach. and reach. and reach,
0: that the capabilities are all commoditized now. There's not mm-hmm. single, com, there's not a single capability that somebody is not realizing that they could sell and package that capability as a service.
1: Yeah.
0: Very, you know, very it's similar. Really inter- Yeah, I'll just say this. It's very really, similar uh, to interesting these.
1: that uh, uh this type of idea, this uh, commoditizing of um service, commoditizing of experience, commoditizing of teamwork, um, um is actually built into the um US Constitution. And I think that uh reason why franchising went so big with the U.S. Right. Uh, before, before it went anywhere else um, was really because the, um, the structure of the country is essentially a franchise structure. If you think of the U.S. Constitution, mm-hmm. that every state is essentially <clears throat> uh, a mini-me of the country itself. So Florida yeah. right now, which is really on the upswing. I think that your governor will be remembered as the um, one state leader who really got a handle on what COVID was all about psychologically and emotionally and, um, and uh, got ahead of it. We really got ahead of, um, you know, the, um, um, the country uh, as opposed to many of the governors who will be forever remembered badly because of the way he handled this he he will be remembered as probably the star among governors Mm -hmm. uh and the reason was is he just kind of left it up to people's common sense which is really what the us is about we're going to give you some structures we're going to give you some processes but you know um uh it kind of Kind of have to show up and be responsible for yourself. And uh, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to be supervising you. Uh, we're not going to be your government nanny, you know, who watches your right. every move, everything right. like that. And um, consequently, I mean, they're right in the middle. I looked at Florida's, you know, number of COVID cases, number of people dying, that's, mm-hmm. you know, like 25th in the country. But uh, he did less enforcement than almost any other state.
0: Yeah, but that is true. It's in yeah. the
1: structure of the country. I mean, if you grow up as an American, you kind of got a sense what the structure structure is. And uh, each of the states is like a franchise, you know. And uh, there's a couple of them that have odd rules. Uh, North, uh, Louisiana has some odd rules. And I think Nebraska has some admirals, but every other, uh, every other state, there's a, uh, there's kind of like a vision, there's like a capability, and there's kind of like a reach. And uh, Uh part of the strength of every state is that they have other 49 other states to cooperate
0: with. Yeah. It's really interesting, you know, you talk about, because in the past, like even in, then up until the nineties and early two thousands, your, your state and local was much more relevant. It felt mm-hmm. like, like much more, um, you know, you could really go like in the nineties, let's say pre pre internet, you would have very little information about Nebraska or Arkansas available to you, right? Or anything like you don't really have any sense of that or need for it Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. relevance to you. And all of that, when, when we had the ease of communicating further, that's really what it is, is this, the reach that we have the communication ability that we have, to instantly Mm -hmm. survey what's going on everywhere that everybody can, everybody can report back. You know, it was all coming the other way. It had to come down and then make its way through the input spouts that we had available to us, the TV and the radio and the newspapers. That was, that was really our windows on, on everything. Mm -hmm. But now that everybody, you know, has access to everybody and and a broadcast uh, ability. It's like um, the geographic relevance, it doesn't really matter as much now, only really for the things that are 100% mainland um, type of things. It's that, I haven't done this actually, Yet, but I would love to, um, do a thinking about the, what are expressly mainland businesses? What are mainland things? Not, not even just businesses, but what are things that can literally only be done on the mainland and locally? Like you're typically going to get delivery of food from right there in your local area you can't and i guess it comes down to that it'd be all the things that can't be digitized really um
1: well i think the other the, the other thing is that um, um <clears throat> the mainland is finite you know yes
0: <laughs> yeah you know
1: i mean uh yeah uh, it's it's measured in uh You know, and it's measured by the square meter, and one square one square meter can't be another square meter there, right? Or square square yard. So I think the big thing is that um, for all practical purposes, Cloudlandia is infinite. I don't mean that 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 goes forever. It's just that you'll never get to the end of it that uh, you'll never get to the end of it. To to me, infinite means I'll never get to the end of it. It's not Uh how far it actually goes. But uh, the mainland is finite. Yes. And that's what makes it valuable, actually. Mm -hmm. It's the finiteness of the mainland that uh, gives it value. Yeah. Uh, The value of the uh, Cloudlandia is that it's infinite. So where I was going with that? You can always come up with a new idea. And if you can, uh, you know, have a vision for it and you have capabilities for it and you have reach for it, you got yourself, you know, you got yourself a new reality.
0: But that's what that's where Cloudlandia really lends itself that all the ideas and the communication and the interaction all happens in in the cloud. It all happens in Cloudlandia. Yep. And it's really about the mainland is largely about logistics and supply yep. and the yep. things that have to be there. And I think that it's fundamentally changing franchising. You mentioned franchising as a great way of, if you think about what a great distribution model it was for McDonald's to figure out this is the business model that works in this 10 mile radius here. And let's just, Mm -hmm. let's just blanket the country with these 10 mile radiuses so that people Mm -hmm. can have their own, but each of them required 100% of the operation to be duplicated in each location that's typically what franchising has been but now you start to see that so much of the of of franchising so much of the business can be centralized where you can run all of the marketing all of the uh, call center, all of the everything that happens in the cloud, all the cloud elements of it, in a in a um, you know, I want to say centralized, but I mean in a cloud landy way, which is ultimately decentralized. We're all over the world, kind of thing, um, but mm-hmm. then to have just the the vital core things that need to be on the mainland handled there, so the franchise units are um are very different i'm having you know have yeah. been working with some franchise um organizations, and that's really a realization that I'm having is this opportunity perhaps you know to uh, for scale much, much faster without having yeah. to duplicate the mm-hmm. whole operation every yeah, time. Yeah, well, it's, real, it's
1: really interesting. It's really interesting. The, um, um, the people who are really successful are actually successful in both realms. Uh-huh. Um, you know, um, in other words, they're... Um, <clears throat> Uh, they've made great use of the mainland, and they are making <clears throat> increasing use of the cloud labia. And um, yes, you know, I was, I was just thinking about uh, <clears throat> cottage country in uh, yeah in uh, Ontario. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, um, <clears throat> uh, it's hard for Americans, I think, to really. Get a handle. I mean, don't you find that because you you spend quite a bit of time yeah in the uh, Toronto area
0: yeah and, it's not the uh, especially same. Ontario
1: that mm-hmm. um, Ontarians from a cottage standpoint never look south unless it's in the United States and I would say never look south in their own country. I was looking at Lake Erie, so I grew up on the south shore of Lake Erie. Uh-huh. Uh, my childhood was in Ohio, northern Ohio, and mm-hmm. we were about eight miles from Lake Erie. <clears throat> and um, uh, it's just developed every... there There isn't any available real estate on the right. south shore of Lake Erie. It's uh-huh. cottage after cottage after cottage. You know, it's home after home after yeah. home. But on the north shore of Lake Erie, which is in southern Ontario uh farms you've got farms that go right down yes. to the lake there's yeah. there's almost no yeah. no cottages there's no uh, i've
0: seen that too you know, i had a
1: yeah and the I reason is, around ontarians around. go north we go north
0: that's, yeah that's interesting yeah. i had a developer client that had uh this amazing house on lake erie um that he built very modern uh, house. But just like you were saying, and there's amazing um if I remember correctly, there's like bluffs and um you know beautiful shoreline um on there. That's it it's, it's a, yeah it is it is kind of funny. Like that's uh finding these little hidden gems. Um, you know, I wonder if the getting away, like I think that's what you know, I was thinking about, does every city have that same thing? Like, you know, when you look at, um, you know, in New York, people go to the Hamptons or the Poconos and Chicago, they go to, uh, they go to Wisconsin and, um,
1: or they so even wonder... go to, uh, they even go to Michigan, uh, sure. Yeah. You know, the Lake yeah. Michigan, uh, the Lake Michigan yeah. cottages and, everything like that.
0: Uh, yeah. But I wonder if it's um, always north. I wonder if it's that you always uh, a that's,
1: that's a really interesting <clears throat> interesting thing that uh, the Muskoka area, which is, yeah. uh, you know, I, I don't know what compares to it in uh, uh-huh. Canada, you know, that would be of equal importance. There's probably some areas in British Columbia that, uh, yeah. you know, have uh, equal importance. important yeah. ump, you know, Bay Amph or you know, uh, something like that. But uh, yeah. the Muskoka area, which is, you know, two and a half hours north of where we're sitting, um, yeah. is, is that's where the movie stars have their mansions. You know? Yes.
0: People, yeah.
1: You know, the, the billionaires have their mansions in Muskoka. And yeah. uh, it's kind of like magical. There's sort of this magical it really like, is. Uh, yeah, quality and uh and in the last uh year, I was talking to Glenn McQuinney, who's a Keller Williams broker, yeah. here in Toronto I know. he's got about three well, three hundred fifty four hundred three hundred fifty four hundred. He's a member of your mastermind group he's that's one right one of your that's right key people, and he said the average price of cottages in Muskoka has gone up by forty percent in the last fifteen months, uh-huh. And they were already—I mean, they were already sky high—and they're yeah. forty percent. But now, what's happening is that a lot of towns, small abandoned—I would call them almost abandoned towns—you know, they—they were something maybe a hundred years ago, but then they're nothing. They're blooming into life. People are these little—you uh, know, where two highways cross each other. And they're all of a sudden, you know, the, the people are investing in the real estate there because they can uh, they can do their work on cloud landing.
0: Yeah, it's so yeah. great. You know, that's what that's.
1: I think it's one yep. of the most fun. I think it's what we'll see. This is one of the most fundamental shifts sociologically, demographically, emotionally, psychologically, technologically. Yeah. Uh, this shift uh, we're right at the beginning of a great of a great shift in in yeah. history 25 50 years from now we'll yeah. ca- call the period that was triggered by the covid pandemic we'll call it the beginning of the great shift
0: mhm yeah i uh, agree we were watching um you know and, and it's just it's come so quickly you know like this whole um
1: uh, And I think the reason is it wasn't directed by anybody. Right. It was every individual kind of making up their mind about how they were going to do things different.
0: Yeah. It would be interesting to look at it through this lens of the... I remember years ago, I saw that article about the tyranny of convenience. And it would Mm -hmm. be interesting to track from then what that's really, um, come, you know, cause it really is about, it's driven by convenience and our desire to do less. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the, the least, the most convenient way to do something. Um, but I, we
1: want well, in the United uh, in the United States, I think it's the biggest shift since the completion of the interstate highway system.
0: And people can move around. Yeah.
1: No, I mean, Florida was put on the map because of the interstate highway system.
0: Yeah. or the, Well, the train was really the first thing. The f- yeah. train. It's an interesting. The pl-
1: Mr. Flagler. Flagler down the. Flagler. Flagler. Flagler.
0: Yeah. Flagler down the. It went all the, the way to
1: Key West. I think Flagler put railroad right. all the way through to Key West.
0: Yeah. And, and then uh, there's a
1: big flagor hotel in St. Augustine.
0: St. Augustine. Right. Right. And then Saint there's, Augustine, um, yeah. yeah. And there's a, um, there was another gentleman, um, plant. Well, that, he
1: was uh, he was partners with Rockefeller. You
0: know, yes. Flagor
1: was a member of Standard Oil.
0: Okay. He was
1: of He got the route to Tampa.
0: So he took from Atlanta. Yeah. Tampa, and that opened up the the Gulf Coast, and that's interesting, yes. yeah. Um, but the we watched the Friends.
1: He's from Bellevue, Ohio, by the way, which is twenty five miles from where I grew up.
0: I did not know that.
1: He's from Bellevue, Ohio.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Imagine these guys, what their Sundays, what what they would have been doing, you know, back then. <laughs> the Sunday correspondence like writing the letters were the things then and yet your your callers, yeah. right? The social hour people would pop by. Um, but we watched uh the Friends reunion um this uh, mm-hmm. last night. The cause I used to watch the the show and we were talking about how you realize that whole show and Seinfeld, you know, the two biggest there's never been anything like them since that, uh, that made it that big, right? Mm-hmm. That you captured the attention of everybody like that. That was the last, yeah. those are the last of them. Um, how much of the, uh, you know, it was like a capsule of life before the internet. Mm-hmm. Like ev- almost, almost every Seinfeld episode. The key thing that happened in the episode, the the key, like uh, you know, the the trouble or the the instigation uh, thing, could have been would have been completely avoided with the uh, today because so they have one whole episode where they're waiting in a Chinese food restaurant. For a table to arrive, but they can't. They uh, they can't get in touch with who they're trying to meet, right? To say that the plans have changed. Like so much of that is just the because you have to share your last coordinates. Well, kind of thing to to well, meet with like somebody. Watching, yeah,
1: <clears throat> yeah. It's like watching the old crime uh, like uh, uh, movies. The old time crime tv series where
0: yeah
1: yeah part, part of every episode is them pulling up next to a payphone so that the cops right, can exactly <laughs> yes exactly dirty harry dirty harry yeah to go to a payphone. you know i mean yeah i mean you think Dirty, could you think that dirty harry would shoot a payphone you know <laughs> <I> mean, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah because it's so insulting to i mean if you got dirty, hairy skills. Why do you have to use a payphone? You know, almost makes you, uh, you see Clint Eastwood talking to a payphone. Well, I got to ask you, is this your lucky day, punk? (laughs) Right, exactly. I mean,
0: isn't that amazing? Like, so. uh...
1: No, but I remember Dragnet. Dragnet was the great, uh, from the 1950s. Uh, Dragnet uh, and uh, it was at Los Angeles Jack Webb was the actor Jack Webb and uh, but I always was so struck by the fact that they always had to go do a payphone when they wanted to report (laughs) something
0: yeah exactly and that's just so uh, so it's it's really you know it's amazing times now to think that that you know we've solved so much of those uh things that we would never have otherwise you know it's just when's when the time last i mean dean
1: it. when's the last time you used a payphone?
0: phone uh, i was just thinking about that i can't even recall the last time i saw a payphone <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing about the um the funny thing that's going around the internet now or on uh, TikTok and Facebook is showing kids a rotary phone and telling them, asking them to dial your number and then trying to figure out like what to do. Mm-hmm. They don't, they're so foreign to even think about what is a dial. Do you have a dial phone? What's that? Well, you got you to gotta pick up the phone and, Do you hear the dial phone? Yeah. And then they can't figure out what the numbers are. They try and like.
1: Ask a six-year-old to look at a clock and tell what time it is.
0: Yes, exactly. That's what it's like, you know? Yeah. So funny.
1: Yeah. 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 You know, I mean. uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. But. Um, that means that we're actually more capable. Um, that left to your own uh, in a place that didn't have cell phones, Dean, you would probably be able to operate.
0: Yeah. I mean, I remember having, I mean, this was the good thing is that I, I was really kind of the last generation to make it all the way to, adulthood before the internet even really made its Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. presence, you know, like that was, yeah. I really think that that was a good thing that it came along at just the right time for me. Yeah. um, Well,
1: I'm two months away from, uh, I'm two months away from my third year of watching television and watch television. Mm Um, yeah. No TV. Thirty-four months. something now thirty-four months. But uh, I have to re- remember, I was nine years old before I watched TV for the first time.
0: Yeah. So that's interesting. You got to see the
1: whole the rise. Well, you know, I had a whole well developed I had a whole well developed childhood long before TV became, you know, started to um, uh, uh, tempt me to give up part of my daily time to watch television television and uh, uh, I don't have a, I don't have a powerful memory of that so I can't I can't really say when when and what caught my attention you know when, when it did and what it was that caught my attention by television but um, I think it was the honeymooners I think it was Jackie Gleason and right the Saturday night, uh, honeymooners I think that was the first program that uh, really shows up on the my memory radar uh, and we would have sloppy Joe's. I remember Saturday night was the honeymooners with sloppy Joe's.
0: Isn't that funny? That was that whole industry. Like you think about how it's kind of fascinating to look at when a new technology comes out, that something's a game changer, that TV is there, that this whole thing of, um, that created all these other industries, right, of the the recliner chair and TV yeah. dinners. TV dinners, you know, like that whole thing because that's what people did, right? They mm-hmm. gathered around and they ate dinner and watched television.
1: Well, and, and not only that, but you had an opinion about people who actually... Um, Bought frozen dinners. Yeah, you know, you 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 knew this wasn't heading in a good direction. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's so funny.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, uh, you know, I uh, they must have been Protestants. They must have been Protestants. They weren't Catholics. You could tell right off. I mean, that's the sort of social divide I grew up with uh, as a kid. And I grew up in a uh, town in northern Ohio it was about 14,000 people and the popu- the Catholic population was bigger than the non-catholic population and we had very developed attitudes about people who were Protestants mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, when you hit teenage years you didn't date you didn't go out on dates with Protestant girls you know they had Isn't interesting blouses. that was they had my mother. And, yeah
0: my mother we'd always you know, she ran into that situation, you know, that as a Protestant, that's it. You, you can't date a Catholic. That's, that's funny. She had a very, I think my mom
1: had. So it went this, the other, it went the other way too, right?
0: Yeah, that's, it's funny,
1: right? Like that's just that's what the way,
0: that's, that's what, what I'm saying. saying is my mom had the other side of that. And I think my mom you know, I think the the, the one that got away for my mom was a Jewish boy. So you think like that, couldn't do that either. It's very funny, yeah. right, that you're, mm-hmm. you know, that that's just. But, but you uh, know,
1: you know what yeah. it is. I've been thinking a lot. Why, you know, well, over the past, um, you know, years, you know, you know, probably going back to the uh, 2016 election in the United States, that um, all sorts of new organizing structures have emerged, like Antifa, Black Lives Matter. And I think the reason is because the previous organizing structures no longer had any strength. I mean, you were talking about... um, before the internet uh, states had more meaning than states have right now in you know, yeah. a member of the state
0: Country and i think
1: that what humans need is an organizing structure and if one of them loses its strength they'll they'll find a new one they'll create they'll um some idea some cause uh will become the organizing structure because we have to have meaning in our lives and i think Meaning comes from having an organizing structure. Like like you were talking about the free zone frontier, we've kind of created a new uh, organizing structure. And you've created yeah. who, not, how. You created the who, not, how idea. And you created the VCR idea. And these are organizing structures. They give meaning and they give common language that you can talk to like-minded people with. Yeah. You were talking about friends. See, I yep. never saw Friends. I, you know, I mean, I, I take your words. for it. But I never, never once, ever saw an episode of Friends. So it, it's not it doesn't have any meaning to uh, meaning to me. But it, uh, but, um, but probably Friends and Seinfeld have much more meaning to a greater number of people than any yeah. show that's on right now than any show that's on right now.
0: Yeah. So when you look at that, when you look at the, um, you know, that collective thing that even in the 90s, though, that was the end of it. But you saw the beginning of it, like in the 50s, there were only three shows on television. Right, no. I mean that was the thing everybody. Ed
1: Ed Sullivan, you know when uh, the Beatles. Oh, yeah. I think when the Beatles were on um, at the Ed Sullivan show, he got yeah. 67 percent of the American television audience. Yeah,
0: isn't that something? You yeah. know what
1: advertisers? You know what advertisers would pay for, to get sixty seven percent of the American. Yeah. <laughs> Audience. Nobody
0: gets that now. I mean, only Mr Beast gets that size of an audience now. I mean, that's really, you know, that's true. Yeah, yeah.
1: So, so that's part of your meaning. I was reading uh, our discussion book. So I have a it's almost 20 years now I have a discussion group here in Toronto. Yeah. And uh, we have a book every quarter. So I think we're in year 19 and uh, the book uh this quarter is The Master Switch by Tim Wu. Tim Wu is a uh, professor, lawyer from Columbia University in, in New York. And he's a great expert on the history of uh, big technology companies. Mm-hmm. And he's, uh, the, the book we're reading is called The Master Switch. It's a uh, history of kind of these big Information-based companies that uh, become almost complete monopolies, like Western Uh Union and AT&T, and now they're looking at, uh, you know, Facebook and um, Facebook and Apple and Google. These are the current biggies. And um, but he's just talking about how they start as widely dispersed technologies, like uh, in you know the in the early 1900s if you wanted to create a radio station you could create a radio station Um, just in your local area you could, if you Mm -hmm. wanted to, you could create a radio station or you could create a telephone company you you could wire 10 houses together and those 10 houses could have their own telephone network and everything else and then But what happened was that people wanted, uh, well, here's, here's a really interesting thing. Apply VCR to any technology. People want a vision. So, yeah, they can phone 10 people, but the vision is they could phone anybody. Okay. Yes. Okay. So I'm just telling you the, what's happening here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we've got the capability to phone 10 people, but I'd like the capability to phone anybody. Okay. I've got the reach yeah. to phone nine other people, but I'd like to have the reach to phone to phone everybody. So you can see that your VCR model kind of um, caters to a natural need that people have when they develop a new capability. They can see For beyond advances. what they have. They uh, want an ability greater than what they have and that mm-hmm. implies that they have a reach more than that one. So I think you're mm-hmm. I think you're tapping into something that's very natural. And then there's people who come along like Zuckerberg and uh, you know, Steve Jobs and Bill Gates and you know, um, Page and Berenier at, uh, at Google. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones who, who give kind of everybody what they want.
0: Yeah, isn't that? I mean, yeah, man, oh man, when you really just think about what uh, what an amazing time it is, and this is really where you know coming back to the circle of service uh, now mm-hmm. that you know these things being able to um, being able to seamlessly bolt on. Um, you know, a supply chain of services and collaboration that appear seamless to the um, to customers. Like this is that mm-hmm. whole ghost kitchen idea, as it appears mm-hmm. from the front end uh, in the cloud. It's all the same person. It's like Kylie Jenner appears to have a uh you know a big cosmetics company, but it's all through you know collaboration with capabilities I think this this yeah. is where this is where dan the big opportunity for people with capabilities is i don't know whether I've shared this distinction with you, but they're observing people are either running their capabilities as a factory. Or a farm, and it's an interesting thing that if you're using your capabilities to sell them to other people as a cog or a um, you know a um, part of their supply chain or their sequence, you're just participating as a factory where you're getting paid for the commoditization of what it is that you've got. And if you start thinking about the ways that you could use your capability as a farm and bring in other opportunities, other people that could benefit from your um your capabilities. Yeah. It it makes a big um that's where that's really what the free
1: zone um well I think the, I think the is big up. thing if you yeah, yeah, I mean if you look at it um and I'm reading this book, it's really an interesting book and it's called the myth of artificial intelligence by a man by the name of Eric Larson and he said that um, that all the predictions about artificial intelligence are going to uh, end up nowhere Uh, and he said that we actually aren't any closer to artificial intelligence now than when Stephen or uh, what's his name Alan Turing who uh,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know Alan Turing was the first person who really yeah well he created the test yeah and he you know um you know was one of a team that really used computers during the second world war to crack codes uh, the enigma code the german Enigma code and uh, Mm -hmm. uh, not the only person not the only person but the one who became most famous out of it bletchley park and everything so the the challenge is can uh, you have um, a conversation between a computer and a human, where from the outside, people can't tell which is the human being and which is the computer. That's right. basically the Turing test. And uh, there's been all sorts of attempts to say it's happening, but what you find when you look behind uh, uh, behind the scenes. It's a setup. It's kind of like uh, the computer winning Jeopardy. But uh-huh. they, gave the computer, they gave the computer all the questions before. It turns out now, as they investigate, they, the computer knew all the questions beforehand, and the human didn't know any of the questions. Oh. And, so, uh, and so it turns out that every attempt to show that computers are actually uh, uh, smarter than humans the programmers jig the game in favor of the computers before the human being was allowed to compete. Okay, oh, so, yeah. So, and the other thing, they only pick things where uh, there's activities where they're contained in a set of rules. So, chess is contained in a set of rules. And, um, and um, what they found out about um uh, Jeopardy is that um, all the answers are in Wikipedia, so they don't go any place except Wikipedia for the answers. Oh, so the questions and answers are totally contained, so they they basically let uh, you know they gave the computer the questions beforehand and then they set it loose in Wikipedia and it just you know it just had all the answers right off that right off the bat. And the reason is that human intelligence human intelligence, base, is based on a capability that can't be programmed. And it's the ability to go from here to something completely different with no in-between explanations of why you did that. Vision. Yeah. yeah. That's really what it is. Yeah, that, that's true that they have capability and reach but they don't have vision that's and right vision yeah. and vision is created there's yes. no there's no yeah. explaining why somebody has a vision right uh, you can analyze you can analyze it afterwards but you can't predict it beforehand
0: yeah that's exactly right
1: yeah yeah so my feeling is uh, that artificial intelligence at its best, can sometimes predict what happened yesterday.
0: <laughs>
1: sometimes.
0: That's funny. Sometimes yeah. Can predict. Yeah. That's great.
1: And, but that's and really that's the barrier. That's the barrier. Um, and the, the, the free zone is actually where we're relying on each individual to be a visionary and then gradually develop a language to talk about what it means to be a visionary. And what it means yeah. to actually collaborate with of putting two visions together into a third thing. And I yeah. think that's why the free zone, because my vision is that in 2044, we'll be a network of 10,000 visionary entrepreneurs who are each operating independently, but they're actually sharing their Knowledge. They're actually sharing mm-hmm. their knowledge. They're actually sharing their experience. Yeah, and that yeah. in mm-hmm. itself creates new vision.
0: But I, I really think this is going to be, um, yeah, this is really great. Like we've been talking about, um, you know, the idea of everybody getting aware of their their vision assets and their capability assets and their reach assets for for the purpose of. Combining them in collaboration—that's, I yeah. think, that's where it becomes an amazing um, opportunity.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: mm-hmm. exciting, Dan! You know, you think about yeah. like, and it's happening more and more. You start to see more and more of this, um, you know, unfolding.
1: Well, it's like AI couldn't have predicted what you and I talked about over the last hour.
0: No, that's true. And I bet they can't even remember accurately. I have to listen mm-hmm. just to remember what we talked about, but it's always, mm-hmm. I, and I always, I come into it excited to be here and I always leave wanting more. I can't wait till the next yes. one. Yeah. One
1: thing I wanted to thank you for And that's allowing, uh, uh, ben Hardy to use your I will be successful when I know I'll be successful when as mm-hmm. part of our next book. I'm excited about
0: that. That's good. Gotta get
1: yeah.
0: these yeah. ideas out there. I'm
1: gonna be yeah. like the Alfred. Especially Hitchcock it's a in good thing uh, for you. It's, yeah, it's the first thing it's a really good thing to have recorded now that you're uh you've changed the um um the definition of what yourself means.
0: hmm Yes, that's true. I love
1: that right
0: This yeah. is um this is great. I just realized i'm gonna try and be a um i'm gonna try and be the Alfred Hitchcock in all of your major market books. i'm gonna try and have some appearance <laughs> some appearance in the book somehow.
1: <laughs> well, the next one is ten times is easier than two times.
0: I like that okay that's good. I'm sure I can That's contribute true. to that. Yeah. Just to
1: let you, just to let you know, yeah. Well, your VCR is really exactly. crucial to
0: that. I think yeah. it will be. Yeah. All righty. Okay, that was great. Um, I guess. Oh, it's already over the top of the hour. Next okay. week. Uh,
1: next week, I'm good. Next week. I'm okay. Good. Me
0: too. Me too.
1: Okay. I'll talk to you then. Talk to you
0: then. Thanks. Bye. Bye.